Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 72, The Need for Love. Hello and welcome. My name is Lori Krieg and we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am here with licensed therapist and your green expert today, not an Argyle expert. <laughs> He's just straight up green today. And my <laughs> husband, Matt. Hello. Hello. And we also have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Today we are on our fifth in the series of 10 we are doing on core needs. And what are core needs? In case it's the first time you are joining us, those are good needs God put into the metaphorical hole in our heart, that God-shaped hole in our heart. Um, and he put those in Eden, but the fall affected how we get those met. So instead of going to God, looking to him to perfectly get these good needs met, and then people and our jobs and everything support this process, we instead turn to people and our jobs and say, how about you fill me? Uh, and so we're going to be talking today about the need to be loved. And we have with us Jennifer Kennedy Dean, and she is the executive director of the Praying Life Foundation and a respected author and speaker at places such as the Billy Graham Training Center and Focus on the Family. And her books include best-selling Bible study, Live a Praying Life, and Altered, which I did the Bible study that preceded Altered. It's called He Restores My Soul. And after 25 beautiful years, it is out of print. But a lot of that gorgeous material that I did actually with my sister and one of my friends is in that book, Altered. So I would definitely recommend it. Uh, but Jennifer is a wise thinker and spiritual leader in people such as Beth Moore have called her a gift to the church. And I agree. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. I am so glad to be with you. You are so welcome here. And Jennifer, uh, where are you calling us from? I'm calling you from Marion, Kentucky. Let me just go ahead and apologize for my scratchy voice. Oh. I'm just having one of those. I am. I'm. I'm calling you from Marion, Kentucky. Now, if anyone says, oh, I know where that is, I am going to suspect you of not <laughs> telling the truth. <laughs> How? What's like the nearest bigger city that we would not be lying about? Well, I use Nashville, Tennessee as a city. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I do know Nashville very well. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Well, we're so glad you're here. You know, you got a little bit of laryngitis there. And so um, we're just going to pray that God sustains you and that he, he uses the voice so that we can make him look great as we talk about love. Mm -hmm. um, but before we dive into our discussion of love, we are going to talk about the question of the week from last week, which our question was, how did you first come to Christ? Was it fear driven as in like, I don't want to go to hell? Or was it gentleness driven, like just kind of more this awe of God loves me? How yeah. much so we asked you all on Twitter, if you were my friend on Twitter, Lori underscore Krieg, or on Facebook, just find me, K-R-I-E-G. Uh, we had this discussion uh, over the last couple of days. You're welcome to friend me there and then join in the discussion. But Jennifer, we'd love to ask you that question, first of all. Okay. How did you first come to Christ? Yeah. And I, oh, I just love that question. You know, actually, I, I truly came to Christ as a young child. It was a very real experience. I can remember everything about it. But my more mature, by, my more mature commitment to Christ was when I was a 19-year-old college student. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, it just occurred to me as I was living out life, hell didn't really enter into my, the fear piece didn't even really enter into my experience. Mm. But it, it began to occur to me that if what I profess to believe is true, yeah. then, 
you don't dabble in this. Mm-hmm. You, you commit your life to this. And so I was I was in a moment of faith crisis because my brother, I was 19, he was 17, and he died of leukemia mm-hmm. in, sp- in spite of prayer. So that sent me into a crisis mode. All that prayer, and then he died. What right. is that about? Yeah. Right. And that has been my pursuit uh, to understand the power of prayer for the rest of my life. Mm. So, so my answer to that question is: I was drawn by just a deep need for the for the for the love of God mm. and for understanding from God. Mm. So good, and I can't wait to unpack more of your story and just how it affects this gorgeous mm-hmm. need that we have for love. Uh, Matt, what, who did you resonate with online? And then why does it resonate with your own soul? Yeah, I, I really resonated with uh, what Matthew said, um, his forgiveness of my sin. I realized I was a sinner and Jesus loved me so much that he forgave me of all my sin. I never want to get over how much he loves me and forgives me so that we can be together forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, it was hard because I always I, my knee jerk was to go back to, you know, when I was eight and got baptized. But in reality, when I came to Christ was what you call my conversion experience that we've, we've talked about, which was, yeah, when I was 29 and, and really recognized that there was nothing I could do on my own about my sin. As much as I tried to manage it and mitigate it, it was, it was something that I had no power over. Mm. Um, and, Uh and that was when I felt truly, even though we were missionaries, you know, and had been for a while, that was the first time I really felt the power and presence of God and his love for me in spite of how broken I was. Mm. And so Mm. that was, yeah, that's why Matt's resonated with Mm. me. So good, Matt. Matt and Matt, yeah, so good. We're on the same page. <laughs> Steve? Uh, I liked what Brittany said. Uh, at first, fear when I was little. Uh, but when I was a teenager, I went to a very impacting camp. And from then on, it was just overwhelming waves of God's love. Mm. And that was hugely my motivation after that. Yeah. Um, and for me, I remember when I was little, like um, probably six or seven, um, it was just a friend my age. She was actually the daughter of friends of my parents. And so uh, she, we're just making conversation. And she was a little evangelist. And she was like, are you saved? <laughs> and I mean, I'd gone to church my whole life. But um, I was like, well, what do you mean by that? What is saved? I don't know. I don't. She goes, oh, we well, got to be saved if you don't want to go to hell. Yeah. So she planted that idea. And, <laughs> the and terror. it was that. But also, I think it was like, well, she seems really to be alive and passionate. Mm. And so I kind of want to be like that. And so I talked, you know, like the next day with my mom. And so I think it was a little bit of fire insurance, but also wanting to belong to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that that was a true conversion experience for me um, as a kid, but really like you, Matt, as an adult getting into life and realizing um, like this doesn't work. This, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like this life doesn't work. There is depression. There is addiction. This, all this stuff that I'm, trying to sort of find life in all these different avenues and like life is broken. And so it was not the sort of hereafter anymore. It was like, I need something here now, you know? Um, And I think that was when, you know, Christ really became real to me and his life that he offers is what I became so desperate for. And so I, I feel like it's that desperation that still keeps me tethered to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our need 
drives us to yeah. cross. It can drive us to more things and things and things, or it can finally just be like, where else do I have to go but exactly. you? Which I appreciate that was in some of the comments too, just someone mentioning that. But I also liked John's, and he said he was at a massive Easter cantata in Fort Wayne. And during a song about Jesus laying his hands on people, Jesus, with air quotes, so whoever was playing Jesus mm. in this cantata, came out into the audience, knelt down in front of me in my seat, looked me in the eye, and placed his hand on my shoulder. That moment marked the start of my faith as a little boy. It was a small moment, but it was all gentleness, no fear. I just thought that that was really precious and needed to be shared because uh, I don't know. I think we can kind of maybe just say whatever those Easter dramas, they don't matter. But you just I hear the intentionality in the actor of just yeah. being like, I'm getting into this. And that is so Jesus is to get right in our face and to look us in the eye and be like, you matter. And that that really stuck with him. Um, so if any of you are in Easter dramas, take it to 11 because you never know what could happen. <laughs> Um, but I came to Christ first. It was pretty much fire insurance is my older siblings peer pressured me, uh, into, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And don't you want to be with the rest of the 11 of us? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't want to be alone in hell. Um, but then too, just knowing in that same like week, my mom presented the gospel through the wordless book at Bible club which had just different colors on the pages. And of course the black one is sin and hell uh, and the gold one. I wanted to go to the gold, but even like once I prayed the prayer, it, there was a sweetness to it. And I, I just knew right away that, um, that God was with me. So it did start as fire insurance too, but it, it has just developed, as you mentioned too, the waves of God's love. I just feel like the waves wreck us and that they are suffering waves that can drive us, like you guys so beautifully mm -hmm. mentioned, to the cross. Well, good discussion. We got to move to Goofball Island because that's how we do. Time for Goofball Island. All right, guys, we're going to play a little worship song or love song game. And the way we're getting to this island to play this game is on Cupid's Wings. Thanks for finding that for me, sure. Steve. I yeah. just heart you <laughs> so much. Okay. Is this song being sung about God or a person? You each get two chances and you get a bonus points if you can name who wrote it. Um, so... We will start. Should I start with our guest? I'm going to start oh, yeah. with our guest. Jennifer, oh, I'm sorry. Please. This is how start it rolls. With your guest. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it rolls. We put you guys on the spot and we make you share your souls. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So you have to say if this is either a worship song or a love song. And bonus point if you can say who wrote it. Okay. Your voice is warm and tender, a love that I could not forsake. That's all you oh, get. Oh, I'm going with a worship song. That was a good guess. However, Celine Dion, I do not believe, is a wow. Christian. Well, that tells you how, how up on things I am. Hey, I, didn't, I wouldn't have known either. I mean, forsake. That yeah. just seems like yeah. such a, such a right. Bible word. I know. It's it Celine, sounded very spiritual. Yeah. It, she sure does sometimes, doesn't mm. she? My heart will go on. No, that was actually the power of love from Celine Dion. Mm. Wow. All right, Matt, don't cheat. I know you can look over I'm, here. I'm not looking over there. Okay. <laughs> Your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. Your love is extravagant. Um, shoot. <laughs> that is, that is, I believe, a worship song or a Christian song. Um, 
Is it Barlow Girl? <laughs> no, but that would be awesome. <laughs> Barlow would be. Girl, I haven't heard that word yeah. in a long time. Uh, it is Your Love is Extravagant by Casting Crowns. Oh, so, it's Casting wow. Crowns. Mm-hmm. Well, and it might be someone else wrote it, but I know Casting Crowns sang it. Mm. I was okay. literally only, and I'm not even going to say the words because it's probably going to be one of the next ones okay, on here. Okay, don't do it. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, ready? Yes. My first, my last, my everything, and the answer to all my dreams. Wow. That really seems like a love song. I mean, it just it just really seems like a love song. And so I think it's probably you are trying to fool me. It's it's a worship song. I knew you were going to do the brain turnaround. Oh, and, and so it you, is a love song, so oh. I took it. It's Barry White. You're the first, yes, my last, my course. everything. Okay, Jennifer, Should've ready, redemption. As I feel... Your touch, you bring a freedom to all that's within. Oh, come on. That has to be a worship song. It is a worship song. Jennifer, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> it's Matt Redman. Yeah, it's one of those awkward I mean, worship you look songs. like, come on, Matt, pull it together. <laughs> all right, Matt, ready? Mm-hmm. Other Matt? Yep. <laughs> There's just no rhyme or reason, only the sense of completion. I think I found my way home. L- love song by some country artist i don't know <laughs> it's it is a love song good job matt and it's savage garden i knew i oh my wow <laughs> i just wanted to say savage yes. garden truly madly deep yes yes <laughs> oh chicka cherry cola chicka cherry cola <laughs> i just needed to say their name on this podcast yeah. at least once right. okay so matt has two points matt usually wins come on steve wait uh, no you already already out. i'm out it's already matt one but here yeah. you go okay, okay ready okay i didn't win guys <laughs> Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. <laughs> How many cycles of brain are you going to oh, do? Is Lord tricking me? I know. Is it I know. Is it love? See, okay. I'm going love song. It's worship. Of course. Carrie Job, the more I seek you. Yeah, okay. All right. So anyway, now that we're all feeling sufficiently awkward. <laughs> Isn't it funny that... The Christian radio guy yeah. is the guy who does the worst at, at, this, <laughs> yeah. at this game. Like, I am such a failure. But you are not a failure. You are, you are beloved. Steve. Oh, thank you. Are you. Beloved thank you. in this space. I mean, I, I'm not owning that as my identity. I'm just saying, in this case, <laughs> yeah, I did, did fail. fail. Yeah. yeah, your actions so, did yeah. fail, but yeah. you are not. I, I'm surprised you didn't do the whole my tongue dances. I thought about it, but I knew you knew I would my do lips that. For you, I can't whatever. even like, sing that one in church it's, with it's the so, tongue dancing yeah. behind my lips what? for you. That's a worship song. Yeah, really? that's not aware of that song. I can feel you all around me. Oh, thinking in the air. I yeah, that one. It's like it's. It's so like <laughs> cringy. Oh boy, yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's. Anyway. I hope there's no one out there who really loves that song. Just don't. <laughs> if you do, we still love you. <laughs> A little bit less, but. Uh. Okay, heart of the matter, guys. Okay, so we have been doing this series on core needs, and we're talking about the word "loved" today, and the uh, and how it's unconditionally accepted. That is how we define it. Um, so I'm super excited to dive more deeply into that. But we started your story, dear Jennifer, and I would love to hear more on that. Specifically, how was the gospel first good news for you, and and how is it still? Okay, that's a good question. And the gospel was first good news to me for that very reason that, as I told you, I was really struggling with understanding prayer because in my uh, my limited understanding, 
my, it didn't work. Yeah. And and yet I couldn't quite get myself to just go there and go prayer doesn't work end of the sentence. Hmm. So it so it pulled me toward God with my left brain need to understand things. And and what what really what really uh, excited me was to understand that I was I was being pulled into a relationship with a God whose invitation was come let us reason together. And so it was that piece of me that felt so loved and understood by God because of that piece of my personality. I need answers. I I like things to make sense. Mm -hmm. I like part A to fit into part B. And so in the in my religious circle, I got a lot of, well, you just have to take it by faith, Hmm. which is if faith had to cancel out understanding. Hmm. But then I then I began to see in the scripture, but but the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. And over and over again he offers understanding. I don't mean that we're gonna understand everything God knows. Yeah. But there's there's nothing that he put into his word for the purpose of confusing us. Yeah. Everything by the Holy Spirit he can explain to us. So I've gotten carried away here to say that strangely, that is what just drew me to the true gospel, hmm. to the to the love of God. And 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 it can that continues to be what makes the gospel good news and precious to me. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it echoes even some of what our um some of the respondents in the questions today said is that that whole looking eye to eye, even with the actor, mm-hmm. with you guys here, is that God didn't say, oh, throw your brain in the garbage, Jennifer. He was like, oh, yeah, I know this about you. So come yes. closer. He's so excited to yes. to learn with you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And you know what I loved as we were to listen, as you were sharing some of the Twitter uh, responses mm-hmm. is listening to how God approaches each one of us yeah. according to the personality that he created in us. And yeah. he knows how to do that. He yeah. knows how to reach each individual one of us in a way that clicks for us. Mm. And, and yet is still holy God. Mm-hmm. I, was, mm-hmm. I met with someone today for a discipleship meeting and just in her experience of like seeing God in a place of prayer, she's like, it's so crazy, God, how every time I come to you, I think you're going to roll my your eyes. And he's always excited. Like just in that vision, I was like, oh, yeah. that's how I feel about him too. Like that's how I see him. And it's, it's in scripture also responds that way. Mm-hmm. So as we envision God that way, and, and we define this good need to be love that he put in us, this desire to be unconditionally accepted. Jennifer, how did you experience that as a child, that, that good need to be unconditionally accepted? And, and how did that shift as you got older? Like we're, as kids, we're mm-hmm. so innocent and like, do you love me? Do you love me? But then we get jaded. So how did that yes. work for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I think as a child, that was fairly simple for me because I had these I had these great parents who were that. So yeah. that one that, so but as I as I grew older, I realized that you, you begin to experience that it's not just about who you are that you're going to be loved for. It's what you do and yep. how mm-hmm. you look and how you perform. Mm-hmm. And so and, and so you begin this pursuit of 
proving yourself worthy and 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 trying to figure out what it will take to receive the love that you're looking for because now it's now your universe is not just your parents and your family yeah now now your universe got bigger and and uh, and you and when i look back and realize the things that you that you do and pursue just trying to meet that need to mm-hmm. feel completely accepted yeah so you experienced, you know, not only an expansion of your world from like just parent love to like everyone, mm-hmm. like trying to mm-hmm. look to them again, like we were talking about in the very beginning of the show about how we have this good need. And then all of a sudden our eyes shift to the world. So yeah. your world gets bigger, but then also the world stinks and your brother yeah. died. And then yeah. you talked about how after 26 years, your husband died. And yeah. I, I've been asked this or like I've heard this in some circles of like, well, how can you experience love if you're not married or like actually like real deep love? And I'm like, um, <laughs> but instead of just say, um, and stare at people and be like, come on, hello, God and the community. Like, how yeah. how do you, Jennifer? You know, that well, that's a deep question. But since widowhood, I have discovered a new dimension of experiencing the love of God. And I'm have, I have a hard time explaining it. Mm-hmm. I keep saying, I can't really explain it. You just have to experience it. Mm-hmm. But God is, God is so present and so, uh, and so there for your needs. And in a way that I, in a way that I wouldn't have experienced in a different setting. Mm-hmm. And, and then to and then what I've discovered about the love of the body of Christ. Oh my goodness! There's you know we're, the body of Christ is just so wonderful. Yeah. But here's the thing: as you reach out in love, as I reach out in love, as I make my purpose not to make you love me, but uh, to love you. Mm-hmm. That that just takes care somehow. That just takes care of the need. And I think past in general, you get love back. But mm-hmm. not always, and that's not why you love. Yeah. There, there is there that need for love is not just about getting love; it's about giving love, because God is love, and mm-hmm. we're made in His image, so He's mm-hmm. made us to be love. So, in expressing love, we even get that fulfillment and that need met. And that can be a little scary because I think we can feel love starved. Like if we don't inhale all the air, the oxygen's going to be gone. And so it's like, well, I'm going to like, like we've had experiences from childhood. Like it's, it's almost like we're just, we're starving. We're starving for love. And so to consider the idea of exhaling or to giving out to others, it, it seems unfathomable. So how did, how did you get to that place of of recognizing even giving out is how you receive. You know, I can't even say that it was a strategy I pursued. It just ha- is how the Lord would lead me, and I w- and I just dis- and I just began to discover that the giving of love is as fulfilling as the getting of love, and you can't make people love you. Yeah. You, you you can't be good enough. You can't do the right things. You nobody's go, nobody, including your husband. <laughs> nobody is going to love you exactly how you think you ought to be loved. Yeah. They're not going to do exactly the things that are going to always feel love to you. No, you're never going to be able to get 
love exactly in the way that you want to, Mm. but you can give love and you're going to just discover it's just going to be, it's just going to be the experience you have that when you give love, not for the purpose of making someone love you, Mm. but for the purpose of just expressing the Jesus who lives in you, then you are going to find that to be fulfilling. It was interesting Matt and I were talking last night about um, like the need to be seen. And that is one like just like this desire to have someone that which is probably why I picked that that Facebook response of just like Jesus looking in this young man's eyes. Mm, mm. Um, But I was saying like how over the weekend I had this experience of feeling like people were seeing me, but it was almost like they were seeing through me to Jesus. And it both like fulfilled, like kind of scratched the itch. But then I, it was like, I couldn't help, but because they were seeing me and seeing Jesus, I wanted to pour it right back out. I didn't want to hoard it and feel like this starvation to be seen because there's not enough of Jesus to go around. But it Mm -hmm. was as if like the sweetest space and it seemed, it's so counterintuitive, which would be why it's Jesus and his upside down kingdom. But like, as I was being seen, as I was literally preaching and being filmed, it was mm-hmm. as if they were, I knew they were seeing Jesus because I can't do that preaching on my own. And then I so wanted to pour it back out to them because it was like I couldn't, I couldn't sustain it all. It was God's yeah. love in his scene is so overwhelming that I just, I want to pour it back out. So is that yeah. some of what you're describing? Yes. And and as you say that, you realize that love is not just an emotion that yeah. we feel. Nobody can sustain an emotion. Right. But love is exactly what you're describing. Love wants to be poured out. Yeah. Love can't be can't be contained. Love has to be poured out. And you just trust that it is the Jesus in you who is pouring himself out mm-hmm. to the and, and pouring his love out. You know, here's what I love about the word, the Hebrew word for presence is the word faces. Mm. Now, think about th- that God invites us to his face. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we live in this society where we can do a lot of communicating without face. Right. Okay, right. And a lot of times your words will express your thoughts, but your face expresses your heart. Yeah. And we've all had that experience of of communicating words with no face and having our words misinterpreted. Mm. So the idea that what Jesus is inviting us to is his face. Yeah. And I, then I think about why, when you watch actors, actresses, they act with their face. Mm-hmm. A good a good actress without without words, but just with face can mm-hmm. communicate. And, and Jesus is inviting us to his face. And the way he shows his face to those around us is through us. Yeah. And just what you're describing, that pouring out of his love yeah. and that it, and, and that's drawing people to him. And that's who you are now. You're the Jesus container. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's like a pipe, like a Jesus pipe, like what goes in, goes out and you want mm-hmm. it to. But again, you mm-hmm. don't, it's so different than a performance perfectionism mode where it's, it's like, well, I just have to love. And so it's strictly just from your flesh. But when it's, you right. let it permeate your own soul in the empty spaces mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I'm so unconditionally accepted here. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm so overwhelmed with this. Yes. You, you can't help yes. but pour it back out. 
Yeah. So, and you know, here, here's another piece of, of the picture is that because he has made us to crave love, yeah. like it is our, that, that's how he created us. He did that on purpose yeah. so that it would draw us to him. Mm-hmm. But what we do, as you, as you mentioned, as you speak about, we take that craving for love and we turn it toward things in the world yeah. and we get a temporary fix. Mm-hmm. And then, and because it, and because we got a temporary fix, then we're going to do it again, and mm-hmm. then we're going to do it again. But it's a temporary fix, mm-hmm. so it has to be repeated over and over until we become its slave, and it becomes the pat, uh, it becomes a pattern in us, mm-hmm. and. And uh, and so when we begin then to experience the reality of the love of Jesus, that doesn't come from somewhere far away off in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. It comes from right inside us where he lives. Yeah. When we begin to experience the true love of Jesus, it begins to break that pattern yeah. because the need for that temporary fix begins to wane. So good. I want to lean into the word experience. And I know that you are living a prayer life obsessed, which is very good. Uh, first of all, why do you call it a praying life instead of this is my prayer life? And then yeah. two, what are some of those practices that you put into place so that you can better experience God? And again, I love, I just want to remind us, like, I love how you started off your story that it wasn't like, well, I woke up this ethereal sage woman, but you're like, no, I was trying to figure out prayer with my brain. And yeah, I'm hearing a lot of experience with God. So can you yeah. unpack some of that experience of how you lean into that? Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me talk about a praying life yes. or a prayer life. Mm-hmm. All those many, many years ago, when the Lord first began to pull me into the reality of who he is, he began, and, and, my, and my pursuit was, I want to understand prayer. The Lord spoke those words to me. It's not that you have a prayer life. It's that you live a praying life. Mm -hmm. And here's what that means to me. If you think of have a prayer life, you think of it like this. I have a home life. I have a leisure (laughs) life. I have Mm -hmm. a work life. I have a prayer life. See, but if you understand that at that moment of salvation, the living present tense right now, Jesus made you his home. And he Mm -hmm. took up residence in you. And what the scripture tells us of Jesus is that he is always praying. Mm -hmm. And in you, he is always praying, reproducing his own heart, making direct deposits from his mind into yours. One of my favorite writers on prayer, Andrew Murray, wrote back in the 1800s. And he says this, in heaven, Jesus lives an ever praying life. When his life descends to take possession of you, it does not change its character. In you also, he lives an ever-praying life. So pray. Prayer is more than sandwiching words between dear God and amen. There's a whole aspect of prayer that's going on directly from your heart to God's that might not even have words on it yet. Okay, so praying life. There's just this continual interaction between the the spiritual realm and the material realm. So to me, first of all, you begin to get that. You go, oh. I see a prayer. I didn't start and stop. Prayer has been going on. When I add my words to it, I'm just participating in the activity that's always flowing. Hmm. And, uh, and, and it changes the way you watch life happen. 
Hmm. You know, you when you become really aware that there is this continual interaction between heaven and earth, not sometimes, not just at dire moments, but all the time, you begin to watch the hand of God at work. Hmm. And and you you just orient your life toward that as you read as you're reading the word you're not just trying to learn principles mm. and and get history you're listening to the present voice of Jesus speak to your heart right now as you're walking through your life you are continually in a conversation with him it just changes the way you perceive and observe and do life mm. so i if i can jump in i i just kind of got this mental image slash memory um from when Lori and I took our vacation, we went down to, to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we went on one of these like dolphin boat uh-huh. tours. <laughs> and and it's it's astounding how how many like adult people will act really foolish to get to get from one side of the boat to the other to see a dolphin. <laughs> And because it's like someone calls out, oh, there's one over there on the left. And then it's like everyone jumps up and runs over and like they're they're there to see dolphins. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, it almost seems like that is a prayer life. It's only instead of looking for dolphins, we're looking for God and we're willing to make ourselves take ourselves out of our own routine ish. And in order uh-huh. to make ourselves more aware of where he's leading us and where he Ooh, wants us to go. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I may borrow that from you. you. you, you I will, very I will well give can. you credit. That's, <laughs> that's okay. That's exactly right. You're just always on the lookout. You're always you're you're always seeing God. And you come to understand that it's such a natural flow. Mm. Like sometimes we think of prayer as as an activity and we have to do it right and we have to make sure the words are in the right order and we have to make sure we started with this and ended with this and there are a lot of rules to it and I might not get them wrong. And that's exactly the opposite of what God wants us to understand about prayer. It is just a natural flow. Mm. And the way that God speaks to us and calls our attention to things is so natural Hmm. that most of the time, it'll just feel like your own idea. It'll Hmm. just feel like a thought you had. But the more you walk in that and watch everything play out, you begin to realize that it is Jesus making Hmm. direct deposits into your mind. Well, and into your heart. This is making a ton of sense Uh, to me with your, with what you were saying about how it was, it's inexplicable how essentially Jesus... (laughs) is your husband <laughs> like yes it's yes, that your right. spirit is awake and alive and you're listening and you're looking for him uh, yes which i see that in in a lot of my single friends and and i try and do this myself but it's i don't know sometimes i can get caught up in matt you please me or you know like i don't know like you're supposed to fill this hole in my heart or my kids just are loud <laughs> and <Yeah>. like it, <laughs> But I, I see there's a precious depth and it's not just that like how the husband and kids are the distractors from it. When I wake up to the spirit while I'm engaging with Matt and my kids and on a stage and wherever, it's just I forget to turn on my dolphin hunting signals. <laughs> and so I'm less aware, whereas you've been trained in the school of suffering. Is that accurate? Does that resonate with you, Jennifer? Yes, yes. And yet there's a way that while you're while you're married, while you're raising your loud kids, I raised yeah. three boys, so tell me about loud <laughs> yeah. kids. And 
there's there's another way that you're experiencing the present Jesus. Mm. It's just a different season. It's just a different way. He is not more present to me than he he isn't more present to me now than he was when Wayne was alive. But in it just in a different way and in a way that's rich and dear mm. and and I and I and I embrace it and I and I love it and I know I wouldn't know this if I hadn't known that yeah. but but it's not but it's not better it's just different is the difference in like I don't know like I can just think like again like okay Matt we're going with your metaphor the dolphin hunting signal so I turn that on as I'm with my girls and I'm trying because I can notice this in myself like I'm trying Mm -hmm. to listen to the spirit to even to know how to care and love for them but then God instead of using maybe a stranger at the grocery store you know if you're widowed and alone to to show you himself he may use my daughters like either by giving me supernatural peace and gentleness or by having them say something and all of a sudden I'm sobbing or they're wrapping their cute little arms around my neck is that what you mean like that it's just different voices that God speaks back yes exactly and the idea I just want to remind you young mothers who are still raising kids (laughs) you have the best you have the best parenting coach the Mm. Holy Spirit knows your child and I can look back now all my kids are grown and I have eight grandchildren and a ninth on the way Uh, but I but I look back in those days and I and I recognize that even without it feeling like an intensely spiritual moment how the Holy Spirit would show me at any given moment what that son needed to hear and how to say it so that son would connect. I didn't get it right 100% of the time. My mm-hmm. children will be glad to tell you. But <laughs> but you have this parenting coach, and that's part of a praying life. You're open to that. You're open constantly, all the time, to where the Holy Spirit is, is leading you and the thoughts that He is suggesting to you and the way that He is working in your heart to produce love again. Again, not just an emotion. Right. It, it, you do feel it as an emotion, certainly. But, but the action of love. Love is an action. God so loved that He gave. And that's a way that we can experience it as you yes. know, young parents and as single people. Is that sometimes it is just that precious act of trust. Is God? I'm not feeling it right now but I'm choosing to receive it right now. And I'm choosing to give out of what feels like nothing, but I know that it's something because it's, it's you in your bottomless. Yes, that's right. And we can't, you will feel love. You will feel the joy of the Holy Spirit. And the more you grow in him, the more you walk in a praying life, the more that will be your experience, but it is not the measure of his love. Yeah. So Jennifer, this has been a rich conversation. I would love to just, if someone is listening right now and just like, thanks for talking about love, guys. I'm still feeling empty here. I'm still feeling mm-hmm. lonely. Like what What would you want to say to them as far as a first step that they can take toward this? I, I don't know. I, honestly, what we've been mm-hmm. talking about is yes, love, but also just experiencing God in mm-hmm. deep ways. What, what sort of step could they take? Yeah, you know, I, I I want to ask, I'm going to ask the Lord right now over those who, for whom that is the experience, Father, would you do something and show yourself present to those who are 
feeling a lack of your love, you know, just as we began this, began this conversation, you know how to reach each heart. You know how to reach that personality, her heart, his heart. Would you just do that? And then I want to encourage your listeners to be alert. Just be alert and go with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't don't evaluate. And I promise you that when you begin to give out love, that's when love begins to fill you up. Amen. Mm-hmm. So good. Turn on your dolphin hunting sensors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jennifer, thank you so much. Um Precious listeners, as you're hearing that and just experiencing that prayer, I'm like, I'm raising my hand. Please pray it over me. I receive Mm it. Uh, But just just know that you are seen and that you are known and you are loved. And you can also practically go pick up some of Jennifer's books. Uh, I've, I just appreciate it. They're just, they're devotional, specifically the altered one is, and is the pray, the praying life one is as well. Live a Praying Life is actually a Bible study, an interactive Bible study. And uh, there are videos to go with it if you like to use videos. And if you don't mind, altered, you have to spell it right to get it to find it. I mean, you have to spell it wrong to get it right. A-L-T-A-R apostrophe D. And I'm guessing that that has something to do with the Greek or the Hebrew or something. It has to do with living in an in, with your life on the altar, with your flesh on the altar, so the spirit can be how, how you're living. The power, mm-hmm. the power of resurrection, because you surrender to the crucifixion. That sounds about right. That sounds like something we all need. All right. Well, I will be sure to link to all of that in our podcast episode page. But thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us this week. My absolute pleasure. And for all of you who will be joining us next week, we have a question for you of the week. And again, find me on Twitter, Lori underscore Krieg, or find me on Facebook, and you can join the conversation. But next week, we're going to be talking about this need to belong or to be included. And so I had this conversation with a few people uh, in Wyoming this weekend. The question was, do you get excited or nervous about meeting new people and going to new places? Honestly, I thought everyone around the table was going to be like, of course, it's the worst. (laughs) But then there's some people like, no, I love it. I just can't wait. So shocker, not everyone's the same as me. Okay. So I just love to hear what you guys think. If you get excited or nervous about meeting new people and going new places, does it energize you or annoy you? And also, in addition to finding on our podcast episode page, all of the Jennifer Kennedy Dean um, books and devotionals and small group studies, um, we would love to hear from you. Just what do you think about what we do, (laughs) being vulnerable? Uh, We would love a nice five-star review so others can find the Hole in My Heart podcast on iTunes. Ooh, we're on Stitcher now. Nice. And other places. So if you like it. We love it just to hear the encouragement. So thanks so much, guys. And if you want to just email, I love getting emails from you all of just what encourages you or um, maybe even an idea for a podcast. We like hearing those as well. But thanks so much for being with us. For all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you all next week. I FaceTime in and Matt, his eyes are puffy. His hair is crazy. He has like two hairbrushes in his hair and he answers like grew. Hello. This, this is, is grew. And I'm like, no. Sometimes it is just a goat. What? <laughs> when she thinks she found the unicorn, but it's oh. just a goat. Sometimes okay. Agnes 
It is just a goat. <laughs> but they were doing beauty parlor. Matt is a very good dad, but it, it is, is hilarious because they look <laughs> terrible. <laughs> we look like Girls we took care of them. Super. Um, I actually tried to. I combed their hair. You did. I was surprised they didn't smell super bad when I got and home. And I no, I will not bathe for four days, but they will. <laughs> like they will bathe daily. He's like, hi, wow. honey. Ran in the shower. He gives up. His hygiene. Oh, for sure. For that of his children. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I I actually did shower while you were gone. Wow. It was just at night. I was gone for like four days. I was, it was just at night after the girls were in bed. I'm like, oh, I'll shower now. If they start crying, hey. That was smart. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Deal with it. Yeah, right. I've got, I've got, yeah, Yeah. no. (laughs) He loves dry shampoo. No, I don't (laughs) love dry shampoo. No, Saturday when I was like sick, I like actually had like a shower <laughs> did you pause before saying shower like a full, like a full shower yeah, like no. i actually like washed my hair conditioned my hair okay like washed my face we don't need to know all of the well maybe <laughs> i don't want to say any more words anymore i'm done i mean i did the like cartoon no, no. the cartoon version Scrubbed with like the, the fingernails with the long like reachy back scrubber okay. thing <laughs> gosh <laughs> did you have a loofah a, no a not loofah. a loofah okay just the no. hard scratch back just the hard back scratcher yeah right. and then what i call it a scratch backer scratch backer either way i don't know i'm not a doctor 